0: turn once again to the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus, as we continue our ongoing series this morning. We come now to the fifth commandment, so all we have before us today is chapter 20, verse 12. So let me read God's fifth word to Israel there at Mount Sinai, and then pray that God will bless our study and we'll begin. So let us hear now as God speaks to us through His word. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let's pray once again. Father, we do ask your blessing, that your sovereign power would fill us by your spirit as we come to this truth, that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds to receive the word and the law that you have given to us the spirit write this very command upon our hearts that we would be obedient and full of grace towards you as we follow you in love so help us to hear with eagerness for we are dying people help me to preach with boldness as you say i must a dying man unto dying people that you might help us as always to see jesus christ and so find life in him and we pray these things in his precious name amen you may be seated it was about two years ago that well-known columnist named David Brooks published an article in the Atlantic magazine that had one of those clickbait like titles that generated no small amount of reaction. And the title of his article was simply, Why the Nuclear Family Was a Mistake. And in the ensuing week or so of relative furor that erupted over his position, there are many that took responsive sides over the things that he said, some positive, some negative. But at its core, uh, the actual contention of the article, I I think, is relatively basic and certainly one in which I would assume many in this room would agree because this is what he said. The blunt fact is that the nuclear family has been crumbling in slow motion for decades. And many of our other problems... With education, mental health, addiction, the quality of the labor force stem from that crumbling. And it's a truth that we're going to see this morning in the fifth word that God spoke from the fire there to Israel at Mount Sinai. The utter centrality of the family, not just in God's economy, but even in human society, And so throughout the ages, you may know that people have often tried to divide the Ten Commandments into various parts that we might kind of help understand what God means to communicate to us. So, for example, you might find people talking about how the first four commandments are are vertical in nature. Uh, They deal with our relationship and orientation towards God, while the, the final six commandments are more horizontal in nature. They deal with our orientation and relationship towards others. And that's largely true. Uh, You can also have people that will talk about the first four commandments as explaining how we obey the greatest commandment, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, while the final six commandments help us understand how we're to keep the second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And that's largely true, I think, as well also. But what I want you to see this morning in a different way is, is how the fifth commandment It does represent a transition of sorts on the stone tablets. But in very much a real way, it is the glue that holds the first four together with the final five. Because you might know as well as I do, a simple maxim continues to prove true in the world today. As the family goes, so goes the church. As the church goes, so goes the society. And at the core of the family's life together, the fifth word tells us is to be this nature of honor. And so it's a simple commandment today that tells us, and our theme this morning is live to honor others. Live to honor others. And students, if you've been a member at Redeemer for months, I trust some of you I know, even for years, I hope you have noticed that there is something utterly unique about the fifth commandment compared to all other ten commandments. It's the only commandment that comes with a promise Other commandments have different parts attached to the commandment, but this has a command and a promise and just the short compass of a few words. So we want to see, first of all, in our study this morning, uh, the call to honor God's command and number two, hope in God's promise. Honor God's command and hope in God's promise. So again, first six words of chapter 20, verse 12, honor God's command. You see again, honor your father and your mother. Uh, The word there for honor in the original language, it's the one that we normally uh, use to translate into glory. It's this word that at its core communicates heaviness. It communicates weightiness. Uh, The idea of honor then, when you think about this weightiness attached to the word, it's giving due weight to someone's authority. We even have a a phrase of sorts in our English language in the American context, to communicate something like this. When you speak of someone maybe in an organization, someone perhaps in a neighborhood, or maybe someone even in a conversation bearing weight. They have the weight of the authority. They have the weight of influence. In other words, the responsibility in certain ways belongs to them. Therefore, the honor belongs to them. And so God is telling us that this kind of weight belongs to our parents. And so kids, another way you can think about this word is simply you are not allowed to treat your parents lightly. Casually. Informally. It means something also. When you notice that it's not just honor your father, it's also honor your father and your mother. Now, One scholar says that this command is without parallel in the ancient world. Because if you belonged to a different ancient Near Eastern culture, you probably would hear a command kind of like this. But it wouldn't go as far as the Hebrews heard. Because it would simply say, honor your father, period. But what you find in God's Word, even though many people continue to think it's this dry and dusty, crusty old document full of patriarchy, it's actually honor belongs fully to both father and mother. So if you have ever made your way through the Bible's parenting manual, which is the book of Proverbs, you'll see and hear commands, exhortations over and over and over. My son, do not forsake your father's teaching, nor your mother's instruction. That's a command of honor, giving due weight to both father and mother. And so when you come to the second table of the law, the Ten Commandments, you you even sometimes get commandments that actually have only two words in the Hebrew. So the vast majority of any study of a commandment like this is less explanation because it's kind of plain in terms of the meaning. Honor your father and your mother. Uh, Most people need to then deal with application. How exactly do we do that? So let's consider that in a few different ways. The first way is actually the original audience. How do adult children honor their parents? Uh, perhaps you haven't noticed that before, that the original reference in the fifth commandment itself is to adults. Because think about it in this way. The fourth commandment speaks about giving Sabbath rest to your servants, and who is going to have servants in that ancient Israelite culture, but adults. The 10th commandment says, you may not covet your neighbor's spouse, and who is going to have a spouse, but the adults in the Israelite culture. So how then might you as adults honor, according to God's word, how might you honor your father and mother should they still be living? Well, two simple things the Bible continually says, the first of which is you're to show them respect, show them respect. Of course, the opposite of honor is to hold in contempt, it's to curse, it's to condemn, That with your actions, with your words, in your entire relationship to your parents, respect should fill it. But the burden of the Bible when it comes to adult parents, I'm sorry, adult children honoring their parents, actually is in a second category, not just showing them respect, but supporting their needs. Supporting their needs. So if you fast-forward the tape of redemptive history, you'll get to a chapter in Mark, Mark chapter 7, where Jesus is engaged in a tussle with the Pharisees over their teaching about the tradition of the elders. Because if you've ever read through the Gospels, that often seems, doesn't it, like the Pharisees are always just hunting Jesus, you know, lurking around the corner, looking for Him and His disciples to do something that they don't like so they can point out His folly and prove that He's just not someone worth following. So one day they see Jesus... And his disciples, and they're getting ready to eat, and, and the disciples don't wash their hands according to the tradition of the Pharisees. And so they say, Jesus, why don't your disciples wash their hands according to the tradition of the elders? Well, I remember a time in middle school when I was playing on the middle school football team, and I was the running back, and I received a handoff in the backfield, and the line seemed to open up before me, and the biggest middle linebacker in our entire school was just coming down, right down the throat to me in the backfield, and in that flash of my life before my eyes, before the crushing hit ensued, I thought to myself, this is not going to go well. <laughs> and in the same way, if you've read the Gospels before, you know that any time the Pharisees tussle with Jesus over their teaching of traditions, it doesn't go well for them. Jesus, why don't your disciples wash their hands like our tradition says they must? So Jesus proceeds to expose their hypocrisy by pointing to the fifth commandment. And here's what he says You are supposed to honor your father and mother, care for them and support for them and their age and their need. But instead of caring and supporting for them, you've set aside basically money, you've set aside the, what they need and dedicated it according to your tradition as Corban, which just means dedicated to God. So your commandments, your man made traditions, have not dealt with the weightier matters of the law, he says, of truly honoring your father and mother. So then by the time you get to the apostles, you can read 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 9, for example, where the apostle Paul says, if anyone does not provide for his family, he is worse off than an unbeliever. And the immediate reference in that context is to adult children providing for their parents in their time of need. That if you don't honor your parents in this way, and consider this, even at a place of warning and meditation this day, you are worse off than an unbeliever. So significant is it that you show respect and support your parents in their time of need. Well, what about young children? Dependent children, we might say. Showing honor to their parents. Well, there's two simple things, kids, that I want you to see this day when it comes to you keeping the fifth commandment. Number one, showing obedience. Showing Obedience. That's simple enough. The Apostle Paul in his commentary on this commandment in Ephesians says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. Just quoting from the fifth commandment. Children, number one, must go about the business of showing obedience to their parents. Sometime ago, several years back, a friend sent an article to me from a teenage girl's magazine. It simply asked the question, do you hate your parents? And then asked the second question, like who doesn't? And then it proceeded to give counsel and advice on, quote, how to deal with your detestables. And such is the stance of the world towards parents. But the Christian stance and counsel towards parents, children obeying them is much different, isn't it? Listen to the Heidelberg Catechism, what is God's will for you in the fifth commandment? But children, what does God desire for you with this fifth word? That I honor, love, and be loyal to my father and mother. I submit myself with proper obedience to all their good teaching and discipline. And also that I be patient with their failings. For through them, God chooses to rule us. That's a wonderfully wise statement, isn't it? And notice that, first level kids, your parents aren't perfect. They won't be perfect. They can't be perfect. But nevertheless, they are God's chosen, delegated representatives of His authority in your life. And so you must obey them. Even Colossians chapter 3 says, Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Do you want to know how to live with God's smile upon your life? Obey your parents. Now, of course... You're to obey them in the Lord. If they happen to tell you to do something that violates God's word, you don't obey them. Uh, But I trust that you're being raised in a Christian home. Parents that want to lead you into godliness. So yes, Colossians 3, probably most apt to you. Children, obey your parents in everything. Not just because this is right, but because this pleases the Lord. Showing obedience. Number two, showing reverence. Showing reverence. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 3 says, All of you, revere your mother and your father. The word for revere is just the word for fear. It's reverence that fuels obedience. It's reverence that brings the desire to honor, to extend respect in a variety of different ways. And so uh, we're trying to teach our children this in a way that maybe they're hopefully beginning to understand. A few of them are in the stage in which uh, we want to talk about the reality of reverence is not just in what you do. It's not found only in what you say. It's also found in what your eyes do when we tell you what to do or what to say. So, kids, when was the last time you rolled your eyes at your parents? And you might think that's not that big of a deal. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17, The eye that mocks a father scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. Striking languages, and it's just covenant curses belong to the eye rolls of dishonor and disrespect. So significant is reverence towards your father and mother. The reason that reverence is so important is because if you turn again later on today to Ephesians chapter 5 and 6, you'll get to the end of chapter 5, beginning of chapter 6, what we tend to call the household codes of Ephesians talks about the ordinary godly relationships that are to mark God's people. So the relationship between husband and wife, the relationships between parents and children, the relationship between servants and masters. But the masthead verse that kickstarts that section in Ephesians is at chapter 5, I believe is verse 20, maybe verse 21 where it says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So kids, how is it that you can obey your parents? How is it that you can revere your parents? Only insofar as you actually love and fear the Lord Jesus Christ. It's growing in love for Christ that helps you grow in a desire to obey your parents. It's growing in fear of Christ that helps you grow in a motivation to obey your parents. So kids, I hope you're being raised in a home that wants you to obey your parents. If you don't learn obedience here to your earthly parents, trust me, you won't learn obedience Early and often to your heavenly Father. And parents, I hope that you're placing your kids from the earliest days and continually as long as they're in their home in the ordinary pathways of God's grace. Where they might learn love and fear to the Lord Jesus Christ. They might learn those very spiritual motivations that compel obedience that glorifies God and, and honors the Father. So if we've thought about the duties between children to their parents. Older children, younger children, both showing obedience and reverence to their parents. What about duties? of parents to the children. so Let's close this section simply with three thoughts. First, godly parents owe their children compassion. They owe their children compassion. Isaiah 49 verse 15, Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? I trust that you know, if you've come to Lord Jesus Christ in faith, that the Father's stance towards you Your heavenly Father's stance towards you is one of complete tenderness and compassion. Perhaps some of us as parents, the point of repentance that we need this morning and even this day is that compassion isn't the air in which our children breathe our authority. It's actually much harsher and harder. Godly parents owe their children, number one. Compassion, number two. Godly parents owe their children correction. Bring them up. God's Word says, in the discipline of the Lord. It's correction that God uses as an ordained means to bring them from folly into wisdom, from from sin into righteousness. Again, we we urge and mandate obedience to God's Word. Because if they don't learn it here, if they don't learn it towards us, why would they know it in their relationship with the Heavenly Father? So there's compassion, there's correction that we owe to our children. Number three, finally, godly parents owe their children instruction. Instruction, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, Paul says in Ephesians 6 verse 4. Now what's instruction other than the truth of God's word? Training them in the truth of God's word. Teaching them the truth of God's word. So let your home parents be a place of working and playing with your children. But let that be on the foundation of reading and praying God's word with your children. That they might know the truth as is found in Jesus Christ. Honor God's command. Number two, hope in God's promise. Notice how the text ends once again. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord, your God, is giving you. As the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 6, this is the first commandment with a promise. So kids, do you think if you obey honestly and faithfully your mother and father that God is guaranteeing that you're going to live to the ripe old age of 100 years old? A few of you are rightly shaking your heads no. We know many, don't we, that have been faithful to the fifth word but haven't lived that long. Of course, none other than the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. So clearly it's not promising that. So what is it promising? Well, what you need to know is there's something of a Hebrew idiom, this language of live long in the land. It's the, uh, the Hebraic idea of a life of blessedness, a life of a fullness. It belongs to you should you obey your hon- and honor your father and mother, a life of joy in the land. So at its core, the way I want you to see it in the light of Christ's coming this morning is that the fifth word is telling us that obedient children understand that they are offered, they are promised to receive life as they honor the spiritual instruction. Of their parents. For isn't it true that a godly parent's deepest desire for all of their children is that they close with Jesus Christ in faith and repentance? That they honor their mother and father's spiritual teaching and personal faith and repentance. And what does that bring? But a life lived eternally long in the land of God and the new heavens and the new earth. It's a command with a promise. Honor the command. Hope in the promise. Well, not long ago, the the BBC sent out a journalist to discover the most requested and performed songs at funerals in the British Commonwealth. And the journalists leaned on this study that was done. It was really a survey of some 30,000 different funeral homes in the British Commonwealth, seeing what songs were ordinary played and performed at, at funeral services. And some of you might be able to guess, the most requested and performed song, it was none other than Frank Sinatra's My Way. If you know that song, it's just verse after verse about flaunting authority as the constant refrain is, I did it my way. And of course, the fifth word at its core is telling us you don't get to live life your way. That God has ordained structures of authority in your life that you might live His way. And so as we begin to close, what I want to do is give you three more things to think about related to the fifth word. Number one, the fifth word shows us the goodness of authority. The fifth word shows us the goodness of authority. You might have recognized that even as we read from the Shorter Catechism a few minutes ago, how even our Christian tradition sees in this fifth commandment all of these structures of honor and authority that God has created in the world for the good of His people. That it's not as though we're just supposed to honor our parents. We're to honor magistrates. We're to honor pastors. We're to honor elders. We're to honor presidents. We're to honor governors. That He has ordained these places in which we live that we might submit to His servants, His authorities, and so find life in His name. And so we live in a culture, don't we, of expressive individualism. We just want to do whatever we want to do, whenever we want to do it, however we want to do it. And God says, no, you will live my way according to my authority. And at its core, it's telling us, isn't the fifth commandment, that authority is a good thing from the Father for our guidance and governance Number two, it doesn't just show us the goodness of God's authority, it shows us the grace of God's generosity. Don't ever forget, this is the only commandment to which He attaches a promise. So think about there at Mount Sinai. The fire is coming, the smoke is going, and God speaks to His people, and if you were an Israelite at the time, you hear the first commandment, says, you shall have no other gods before me. Perhaps you interrupt and say, Lord, can I have a Promise with that commandment. And he says, no. And then the second and third commandment come. You shall, have no other great, you shall make a graven an image. and You shall not take my name in vain. Lord, can I have a promise with that one? No. But I'll, I'll give you a statement of my love and a warning about my justice. Remember the Sabbath day, number four, to keep it holy. Lord, can I have a promise with that one? No, but I'll tell you why you should do it. The fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. Lord, can I have a promise with that one? Yeah, I'll give you a promise with that one. That you may live long in the land that I am giving you. He didn't have to do it, did he? But out of his grace and bounty, his eternal generosity, he says, honor the command that you might hope in the promise. So it points us to the goodness of authority, the fifth word. The fifth word also shows us the grace of God's generosity. And finally, it shows us the Son who is our surety. The son who is our surety. You shouldn't be surprised at this point if you've been with us in recent weeks. That what the Old Testament attaches to by way of punishment, the fifth word, is nothing other than capital punishment. Uh, You'll find these instances, particularly for example in the book of Deuteronomy. Where if you're found and overheard cursing your father and mother, you are to be taken out and stoned. So significant and serious is breaking this command. And all of you are in here today having broken this commandment. Times dishonoring and disrespecting your parents, deserving nothing more than to be taken out in stone. The penalty of death belongs to you. Those are the wages for breaking this command. But the reason we can rejoice, the reason we can hope is because Jesus Christ came. And he perfectly obeyed this commandment, didn't he? You can uh, watch it in the Gospel of Luke, how it emphasizes his obedience to his earthly parents over and over. Then the Gospel of John emphasizing his obedience to his heavenly Father over and over. It was the delight of the Son to do the will of his Father. Consider then Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, Father, in utter anguish and agony, so intense that he's sweating blood. Father, let this cup pass from me. The cup for all your commandment breaking. The flood of God's wrath that you should have swallowed. He says, I don't want to take it. Yet, what does he say? I will honor you for not my will be done, but your will be done. So he goes to the cross to honor his father's eternal plan and decree of salvation. And do you remember even at the cross of Jesus Christ? Before he lifted up and said, it was finished. He looked at his mother and what did he say? John, my beloved disciple. Take care of my mother. So that in Jesus Christ, you're no longer seen as a fifth commandment breaker. You receive his righteousness. God looks upon you as a fifth commandment keeper. Turning from your sin and trusting in Jesus Christ then means you get the promise of eternal life, everlasting blessedness and rest and the land that the Lord your God is giving you, the new heavens, And the new earth. Thus. The call to live. To honor. Others. Is the call to live. To honor Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father we ask that you would indeed help us. In the midst of. Our sin. In the midst of our weakness. To be full of the spirit that we might outdo one another in showing honor, that we would honor our parents, that we would honor all of our leaders, that it would be our delight to obey your commands, that you would so fill our hearts with love for Jesus Christ, that we would love everything in his law, that you would point us to him even this day, that we might find life in his name, and we pray it in his precious name, amen. Well, let stand together as we want to uh, respond to God's word. The promise about peace in the land. So let us sing hymn number 699. Printed there in your bulletins, like a river glorious, you may notice. The chorus in the bulletin says, State upon Christ Jesus. The old hymn says, State upon Jehovah. You can sing either because both are true. Let's sing like a river glorious together.